This summer, all summer long, we've been featuring stories with church members. The sermon time has been one part sacred text with the pastor, but one part sacred story with church members. We decided today that maybe the church members could be parents and teens. So four sets of parents and teens, they'll introduce themselves here. They're going to tell us things about life in 2018 that only they could tell us. We'll listen to them for a few minutes, and then I have a very short homily. It's going to be okay. (laughs) And we'll invite you to draw the connections between everything you hear this morning. So uh, Pastor Anthony is going to lead this conversation. Parents and their teens, would you welcome them? Are you ready? Are you excited? Sort of, kind of. How exciting. So we, uh, the pastoral team, we've been really stoked about this. Um, we, we came up, we were thinking about this about a few weeks ago, or, or not weeks ago, but when we were planning throughout the summer, we were thinking, man, this would be really cool to get teenagers and parents together in the same space and have a conversation and sort of like pretend the other group isn't in the room Say what only you can say. Say what only you can say and have both perspectives. So that's sort of what we're doing today. Um, that's sort of the goal. Um, but to, to start off, we're going to do a little icebreaker, a little game, um, a little true or false game. So are you guys ready? They do not know these true or false questions ahead of time, just so you know. Um, as the game goes, classic game, I'll, I will say a true or false question, and you both can answer. Some may be targeted, so I may go, teenagers, true or false? But when I say that, you guys can still answer, um, and we'll see if your answers line up together. I might do the other way around. Parents, true or false, and you guys can answer what you think is true or false. So, okay, here we go. I'm excited. We're gonna do this. I'm really stoked. We'll start off easy, as classic. In a classic youth pastor move, we'll start off easy and then we'll, we'll get a little more serious as we go along. Here we go. Um, true or false? This is to everyone. We have a lot of rules in our home. What? <laughs> That's not, that is not true. Roshan, would you care to elaborate? Testing, okay. Well, we do. He's making it seem like he's making my life easy, but no. (laughs) Yusuf, would you care to respond? We have rules, but not lots of rules. You have to have rules. Okay. Rules, but not lots of rules. Roshan? I mean, to me it's a lot, but... (laughs) I guess our definition of a lot is different, but... Nice. Fair. Okay. Next question. Do we have any more? Any more that lined up? Isabella, you and your mom lined up. Everyone else lined up? We're good. Okay, cool. Here we go. Um, This is just a question for fun. True or false, singing in the shower lowers your cholesterol and risk of heart disease. Um, (laughs) I mean, it makes me feel better. Is that a true? Yeah, that's a true. Okay. Interesting. Well, now we know who sings in the shower. (laughs) Follow-up question. My partner sings in the shower. True or false? Yeah. Um, 
There's no partner. <laughs> oh, sorry. My parent or teenager sings in the shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't... Wow, everyone... Oh, okay. Bernice, you seem shocked. I hear her sing all the time. I don't know. <laughs> do you sing in the shower, Isabella? I've never heard her. You've never heard her sing. But do you sing? Yeah. You do, okay. We won't judge you. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, to the teenagers, you guys, again, you guys can answer if you want. <clears throat> to the teenagers specifically, I know the story of how my parents met and fell in love. Nice. I would assume you all know that story. <laughs> is, is this an F? Okay, so I kind of have the general idea, but I don't really know when they first met. It's just kind of like happened. Ah, like, oh. okay. <laughs> Maggie, you want to tell us the story in 30 seconds? Not really. Not really? <laughs> Where's Fair. Bob? Where's Bob? <laughs> yeah, true. Where's Bob? <laughs> oh, man. For, oh, there you are. Bob, you want to tell us the story? <laughs> Couldn't do it in 30 seconds. Now I want to hear the story more. Man, okay. That's for you asking later. Nice, awesome. Okay, to the parents. I know the name or can describe my teenager's favorite food. True or false? Ah. All right, time for a round of questionnaire. Uh, Yusuf, what would you say is Roshan's favorite food? Uh, she likes macaroni and cheese. What? <laughs> I haven't had Persian food. Okay. Yeah, okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> there it is. He got it. Bernice, what about you? I think they're quesadillas. Quesadillas? Chile rellenos. Ooh, close. <laughs> Más o menos. I do make some good ones, so. Oh, ooh. awesome. I'll have to keep that in mind. Okay, Maggie. Um, probably Thai food. Like, nice. That's a good guess. I like that. <laughs> nice. And Bobby? I'll say Italian. Yeah. Ooh, nice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, know you guys, they know you pretty well. Awesome. Uh, last true or false question, then we'll move on. This is for everyone. We have specific rules about dating in our family. True or false? Yeah, oh, this is for everyone. <laughs> okay, so. I don't know. <laughs> so, Eden, you have a false, but your dad has a true. Explain. Uh -oh. um, well, we don't really talk about it, but last time I talked to him about it, he was like, I mean, I guess. So I just... <laughs> Bobby, what is your, uh, what's your stance? It is true. <laughs> Education first. Education first. High school first. And uh, if the boys are ready to come to the house, they have to really muster up a lot of courage. And, uh, so, they have I already, to. yeah, I actually have a speech prepared for them. And so <laughs> one Friday afternoon, I acted it out in the car and I said this is what I will do if they happen to come to the house. You acted so, it, the speech yeah, out in the, the car? Speech, yeah, I actually started the speech and they looked at me and like, Daddy, are you for real? And I'm going like, yeah. Oh. So maybe that's why none has come yet, so. 
do you have do you have a, a location in mind? Like, oh, are you going to take them to the gun yes, collection yeah. well, no, in your shed? <laughs> uh, just remind you that I'm from um, from the islands, from Jamaica. So oh, oh, we yes, prefer sir. to use stones. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right. So we often talk about a heap of stone or a pile of stones in the backyard. So yes. We'll, Gently hold a hand and walk back there and have a conversation over the yeah. pile of stones. You know, so. no, you um, see this pile of stones, yeah? Yeah, no. Yeah. More recently, we have actually, I have actually basically just backed off the actual rule as it relates to dating and um, finding someone because you look back, I look back at my own life and I'm thinking if a lot of the things that I struggle with now, if I knew earlier, it would have prevented me from having to experiment. And so I believe that um, I just needed to be a little bit more loose as it relates to the choice or the actual act of dating. And so she's absolutely right in terms of more recently. And you know, um, it's, it's life experiences. Um, things that were appropriate back then might not necessarily be the way you do things currently. So I've backed off a little bit. So boys, if you really are interested. <laughs> well. Just know you have to go to the pile of stones. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Bobby. Well said. Thank you. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna move out of our true or false game now. I want to ask you guys a couple questions, um, sort of framed around the idea of what only you can say. So directed to the the teenagers. What's something that only teenagers can say about this topic? What's something only parents can say? about this topic. And for this section, we want to sort of pretend there's like a wall between and pretend as if the other side isn't really here and have a conversation. So I'm, I'm really curious. So let's start with the teenagers. Teenagers, what's something that only you can say as teenagers about being in school? Something only you can say. Yeah, Roshan. Um. It's definitely probably a lot harder than when you guys were in school. So give us some slack, please. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, anyone else? Yeah, Isabel. Um, it's really stressful to get everything done and to also have fun, too, so. What makes it so stressful for you guys? Classwork, homework, so, yeah. Just the work part. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Either of you guys? Yeah, Eden. I would say, like, when you study to like one or two in the morning for a test and then only one third of the information you studied is actually on the test and so you just wasted all that time you could have been sleeping and it's just perfect. <laughs> the struggle. That's real. That's a real thing. Can you guys relate? Is this true? Are they saying Okay, yeah. All the, all the youth say it's true. Erin? Um, sometimes it doesn't look like I'm managing my time but in the end it'll probably work out most of the time. <laughs> wow, I like it. Can you care to give us an example of that? I'm sorry, teachers. Um, sometimes I didn't really study until like the class period before, but it still worked out. I was good. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect because it's education Sabbath today. Perfect timing. No, that's, thank you for sharing. Let's move over to the parents. Parents, what's something only you can say as parents, maybe things you've learned from your experience in your life about school? <laughs> I'll go. Good. Um, 
Christian education, but particularly Adventist education, is just very expensive. And especially at the high school level, it just seems like you've paid a tuition, but then every trip, absolutely every trip, you have to pay for it. And the kids don't have a clue. The night before, they'll come, oh, by the way, Dad, can I have $25? Oh, Dad, I have a trip to Hawaii. How much is that? Oh, it's probably about $1,500. And if I frown or I make a face, I get the stare like, what are you worried about? That's not a lot of money. But it's very expensive. So after tuition, everything else. And this past year, you know, school was getting ready to get started and we needed books. And, oh, I'll just go online and order my uniforms. Oh, I'll just go online and order my books. And I'm sitting there thinking, do they even know how money works? <laughs> it's so easy to yeah. Apple Pay and to, you know, ePay e and everything. They don't actually have a clue as to how this is how much money you have and this is how much you can afford. It's There's that a limited amount. This. Absolutely. So for them, it's limitless. I work in public education at a high school level, so the advantages for the Christian education is the smaller atmosphere and you get to know your kids and, and that's all understandable, but public education, we don't get the trips. We don't get the planning of the trips. Those kids don't get to go to Hawaii or DC and things like that. So it's an even weight when it comes to the price and the, and the advantages they have. But then on the other side, the disadvantage that they have is in the private education, they don't get to see the socialness around them. They don't get to see the world around them as a local thing. They're all off to going to mission trips and doing all those wonderful things, but you have to understand the community around you, that you're going to graduate from the private school and go out into the world that a lot of our kids don't get to see. And that's, you know, it's a little bit of a disadvantage but also an advantage because we are a smaller atmosphere and our kids get a little more attention. Thank you. Let's move on to another question. What, um, teenagers, what is a pressure that only you can mention as teenagers living in 2018, something you think your parents might not know? A pressure that you feel. Um, I'm going to kind of relate it to my spiritual life. So we are exposed to so much more through social media and games and all that that weren't there when our parents were younger. So it's harder to kind of balance that and kind of make the right decision on what you're going to watch or what you're going to play and then also go along with your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would anyone else care to share What's a, a pressure that only you feel, pretending your parents aren't in the room, what's a pressure that only you feel that you feel like maybe they might not know about or see or quite relate with in the same way? Okay, um, so if anyone like actually knows me, they know I talk about my future all the time for no reason, but I always am talking about, oh, I'm gonna go to this college, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And then I, my dad, like he knows that because I talk about at home. But I don't think that he would know that I actually like get really scared that I'm choosing to do something that I'm not gonna like in the future because you have to be real that 
as much as you don't want it to be, money is a very big factor in social life. So if I wanted to have a certain life, I have to have a certain job. She was have to have a certain grades and have go to a certain college and I might not be able to do the job I want to that would make me really happy because it doesn't pay as well as a different job that would be not as fun to do. I see that. Thank you guys for sharing. Over to the parents now. What is a pressure that only you could talk about that you feel like maybe your teenagers don't see? Well, I could share something with you. Um, the pressure as a parent of kids that go to public school, um, one of the pressures is sometimes here even in church. Um, sometimes um, feeling um, a little left out on certain activities that are geared towards um, you know, academy um, students. So the pressure is to um, make that time and effort to make them feel included in church activities. And they don't get to see their friends every day of the week. So for me, it's very important that they know, first of all, that, um, that we know that they're going through, um, they're being exposed to many things, especially at the public school. But at, at the same time, um, I see how they're sharing their faith with other people who have nothing to do with church. And, and that's a joy to me too. So the pressure is to make sure that I'm teaching them, make sure that we have conversations at home, that we do bring up all these topics because that's what they're exposed to. So I do think about them and I tell them all the time, God is for you, he is with you, and you're gonna be faced with so many things when you're at school and even beyond, but you gotta know what you believe in, you gotta know how to deal with different situations. It's not just given to you in a little package. Thank you. We're gonna bring back our true or false uh, cards just for a second for a couple questions, and then we're gonna wrap up. <clears throat> Again, this is a safe space, must be said. <clears throat> True or false, sometimes I see things differently than my parent or teenager. <laughs> Would anybody care to elaborate? <laughs> Yusuf? I have to. You don't have to. You just have such good things to say when you talk. Oh, this happens every day almost. Just uh, the fact that teenager, were, what experience they have and what we've experienced here, something that's a big deal to her and stressing out. I'm relaxed, not worried about it. It's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to what this other father was saying to them, expenses are of no value. And we know how hard we have to work and we know what is worthwhile. But to them, they just have no idea. Come, easy come, easy go, as they say, you know? But um, going back to this father, we'll do whatever we can for our children. 
especially Christian education, it's just as easy for me to send her to a public school. And I did think about it, but uh, I think it's worth the expense and the hard work to send them to a Christian Adventist education. I wish they would make the trips part of the tuition, <laughs> but that's unlikely to happen. The principals are here. <laughs> Thank you, Yusuf. <clears throat> True or false, I don't always tell my parent or teenager everything I struggle with. Would one of the teenagers like to elaborate? Not necessarily what you don't tell them. <laughs> this isn't quite Dr. Phil. But why do you feel like there's that separation sometimes? Uh, for the most part, my parents and I are really close and we have open conversations all the time. But sometimes there's just that little thing that you might be doing or going through and you just feel like, I just don't want to talk about it right now. Like, probably later we'll get to it, but I'm just not ready to, like, talk about it. Anyone else? Um, yeah. I don't like to share things with people that, if it has to do with them, so if it involves them in any way, I like to talk to other people about it because I don't have to worry about how they're going to, like, feel about it because it affects them, too. I can just focus on how I feel about it so I can feel better or like more um, in a good headspace when I talk to whoever it has to do with instead of being like, oh, well, um, I mean, I know you do it too, but like it's more, less complicated. Parents? Most of you know me and I... I laugh a lot, I smile a lot, and so a lot of people see me every day, I'm just a happy person going, but I do have struggles in life. And um, I worry about these two girls so much, but I don't want them to worry. So I kind of shield them, I protect them from the realities of life, and um, even if I'm at the edge, they just don't know, because I want for them to focus on their success and just focus on life. So I kind of protect them from that, so I don't share the struggles I have, I, I try to make them feel like everything is going well. Um, could be good or bad, but that's just one of the struggles I have. I don't feel that they are, I don't know where to draw the line between them being able to handle it and not being able to handle it. So it's very delicate, so I choose to stay on the side of caution as opposed to say, well, this is just how life is and you're just gonna have to deal with it. Because that in itself creates a fear in me that, well, what if they don't really know how to deal with it? What could that cause? So I try to keep those struggles to myself. I think all of us with now with teenagers or young adults, I think we try to not let them know how frightened we are about the teenage years and where they're gonna end up in life. We wanna guide them, but then we don't wanna control them. And it's, it's a very difficult line to give them freedom and to make good choices and hope they make good choices when they're away from you. So I think in our household, we discuss a lot but there's still that we're terrified of where's she going to be next year, where's she going to be going on, how's she going to end up, and who she's going to become, and because we can't tell the future, but we want to see a future, but we want to make sure that future goes in the way we would hope it would go, and it's pretty terrifying for most people with teenagers. <laughs> Thank you, Maggie. 
Well, thank you guys for your honesty and your willingness to share. I think we're going to wrap up now. Man, this has been so interesting. Can you give the, everyone here a round of applause? Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is probably the last time we'll get four teenagers to agree to this. <laughs> it occurred to me while it was happening. Thank you, Pastor Anthony, for your part in that. Church, as we uh, think about the last few minutes, it is the last few minutes of worship together, I invite you to stand so we can read a word. Read a word from the gospel, from the gospel of Luke chapter six, please, and we'll all read together off the screen. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not condemn. And you will be forgiven. Thank you. You may be seated. This ends the reading this morning. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Forgive, you will be forgiven. Is it clear? Is it complicated? Does it need uh, further explanation from Jesus? Do not do these two things, do this one thing. Amen. If you packed a backpack this week or you didn't, if you studied with a child or you didn't, if you were in the classroom or if you're not, one of the beauties of being part of the rhythm of an academic community, we have this ritual at the beginning of the year where we pause and we can be intentional now. We can ask, how would we like to start our fall together? We take a word from Jesus for this teaching. This is a fantastic back-to-school teaching. Simple, not easy. Clear, but complicated. Do not do these two things and do this one thing, Jesus asks of the disciples. So let me say a couple of thoughts about this verse. Having judgment is different than being judgy. I'm gonna summarize it that way. Hundreds of times, probably per day, we all have to use our judgment, correct? what we'll eat, and what we'll wear, and when we'll go to bed, and when we'll turn off Netflix. If we're gonna ask someone out on a date, the decisions go on and on. We heard some of the teens and the parents testify to that. We use our judgment hundreds of times per day. Jesus is not saying stop using your judgment. In a world full of judgment where we need our judgments, right? Jesus is not saying stop exercising your judgments or stop having an opinion. Jesus is talking about something different. Do not judge, announce your opinion of right or wrong on other people, and do not condemn. Declare someone guilty. That's a very specific kind of judginess. Apparently, some of us actually get paid to judge, not very many. The rest of us do it quite freely, though which is why we hear from the younger generations, don't judge me. Apparently we do it, otherwise we wouldn't need to be told, don't judge me, stop judging me. You've heard this phrase, right? Judgment, exercising our judgment happens all the time. It's 1912 when the Titanic leaves England and sails for America. So 2,224 passengers on this ship, right? They have enough space on this ship for lifeboats for all of those, plus up to the full capacity, over 3,000 passengers. But that day the Titanic took off, we know because, thank you, Leonardo DiCaprio, 
They only had lifeboats for about half of the people because that was the rule. Someone in the nautical world made a decision. Well, this cruise ship, this boat only needs this percentage of lifeboats because technically it's not gonna sink, it's just to get a few stranded passengers. Someone had to exercise judgment for that to happen. We do it all the time, exercise our judgment. People get paid in the medical profession and all of our, our occupations, friends, to exercise our judgment. Someone had to decide how many uh, boats, lifeboats, will we put on the Titanic? We'll only do this many. And over that judgment, a lot of people died. We exercise our judgment all the time. This is the La Sierra Academy student handbook, fresh off of the press for this school year. You know what I like best about, oh, you all groaned in the front row. But look, they're not even stock children on the front. They're real children, they're you. On page three, on page three, they declare what kind of a school this ought to be, the philosophy and the mission. On page three, this, this uh, Someone has exercised judgment, administrators and a school board. On page three, we hold ourselves accountable for the kind of school we will be. We exercise judgment over that. It is not until the very last page of our student handbook that we even talk about uniforms. Dress conduct, isn't that beautiful? They buried it in the back. We exercise judgment all the time. When our uh, little seven-year-old was getting ready for her, in her first week of school, she decides to get the scissors and give herself a haircut. She buries all of it in the trash can in the bathroom. When I see her walking down the hallway, she's like walking like this. <laughs> hi, Elisa. Hi, Mama. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, Mama. Because if she put her head upright, her hair's up to here. <laughs> She just tried, she exercised her judgment on the week of school pictures, right? Of course. We all exercise our judgment. The experts tell us that life can be an adventure in bad judgment, actually. 25% of us regret a social media post. Those of us who decide to tattoo our beloved on our bicep, the tattoo removal industry is up 440% in the last 10 years. Bad judgment. Luke chapter 6, can we read the text again? Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. In a world where we must exercise our judgment, Jesus says, exercise your judgment but do not be judgy. Judgy is when I decide someone or something they're doing isn't right. I make snap judgments like that all the time throughout my day. I can tell you, I don't even need to ask you about your problems. That snap judgment when I declare someone is right or wrong, what they're doing is right or wrong, the way they've organized their life is right or wrong. Jesus says, do not do this thing. And he says it with language that our English teachers would love. It's an intensive double negative. Do not, to make sure we don't miss it. Do not judge. Do not condemn. And do this one thing. Release people. Forgive them. Release them from the clutches of your anger and revenge. Do these two. Do not do the other one. 
It is simple, not easy, friends. Jesus telling people this after they've been on the mountainside or down on the plain, depending on Matthew or Luke, where the Beatitudes have been spoken, words so familiar to us, blessed are the poor and the hungry and those who weep and those who will be persecuted because of the Jesus life. And then more sayings and phrases so familiar to most of us here today. Love your enemies. When someone needs your jacket, give them your coat. When they hit your cheek, turn the other one. Jesus goes on and on. He's doing nothing other than describing what the Jesus life will look like when he comes to these verses. Do not judge, do not condemn, and forgive people. Release them from our grasp. Because if I could find a tribe who would do this, maybe they can walk around the world showing the world what it could look like. This is all Jesus is up to. How are your relationships? This is what I would hope the relationships in the tribe of Jesus will look like. Do not judge, do not condemn. Please forgive everyone. Maybe a Jesus tribe could walk around the world modeling these kinds of relationships. Tomorrow, a new docu-series airs on the Stars Network. Title of the series is called America to Me. And it's talking about real life for teenagers, cultural issues, economic issues, racial issues, education issues, two high schools in Chicago. The entire entire lens in on the conversation, nothing from politicians and governments and adults, nothing from clergy and activists, all of this conversation from the eyes of the teenagers. I show you just about 30 seconds of this show, America to me. The landscape of this school, no space is race neutral. When we initially raised Shantank, we didn't talk about being Asian or black. On the outside, I look like I belong, but on the inside, I feel like I don't. When I see black students in my class, I label it as an extra priority. You shouldn't do that. It's based off of stereotypes. So many people in the world are fighting to have this education, so I need to appreciate it. After seeing so many people give up, I know exactly what's going to happen, so there's really no point. Welcome to America. The student in the first episode tomorrow says, school is one giant social experience. It's nuts, man. It's nuts, man. See, we live in a world that refuses basic civility, basic dignity, basic humane conduct, and our kids have learned it from us, from the adults. Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about basic classroom respect, which all classrooms, homes, churches ask for. I'm asking for something more. We will go beyond that, friends. I will give you respect and dignity and worth even if you won't return it to me. I will give you respect and dignity and worth knowing you might harm me, knowing real evil could happen, knowing hate will happen in our classrooms. Jesus says, don't be judgy, don't condemn, forgive people. It isn't a basic classroom respect he's talking about. He finishes this saying with verse 38, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure is pressed down and shaken together and runs over. It will pour out in your lap. For the measure you use will be measured to you. Something comes back from me if I choose to cooperate with Jesus' commands here. 
It can't be salvation and a heaven and a home because God has already taken care of that. So this is something other, some other value added in my life and in your life. It turns out it is good for you if I'm not judgy. And it is good for me if you're not judgy. And it is good for all of us if we're not judgy. This will not happen when we wake up on Monday morning and go to school, just like that. The beginning of the school year gives us a time to pause and ask the question again, how would we like to start the fall? We realize that our brains are wired to shortcut, to make life easier and efficient for us. We realize we move around the world with biases already built in. Confirmation bias is a real movement. I look around the world to confirm what I already know in my head and I can move quicker through the world. Take seriously that we all have that bias we're working on. Take seriously when you wake up tomorrow and the next day, La Sierra community, how would we go about this if we decided let's not judge, let's not condemn, let's forgive this school year? What in the world will that look like? When you're sitting in front of your computer, go back and look at a worship conversation we had February 24, Melissa Ballesteros Williams, one of our counselors at the university. She took us through an exercise on Sabbath morning. You can get to it in our archives, February 24, uh, sermon on contempt. But Melissa was brilliant as she walked us through some role playing of our biases and what happens to us as we move around the world. It turns out we can teach ourselves a new thing. I want to be open to that from the Spirit this school year. I will not wake up tomorrow and it happens to me automatically, friends. Last uh, two weekends ago when we were One Life up at Camp Cedar Falls, some of our teenagers were there. I shared with them an update on this story. I call this girl Poster Girl because I don't know her name. A few years ago I showed you this picture. I found this poster on the, the uh, pole out here on Sierra Vista Avenue, taped to the pole one day. I'm gonna read to you with a Sharpie what she's written. I attended this church between the ages of six through 13. This is the place I first comprehended that my family was poor. And it was in Sabbath school that this was pointed out to me, this fact, and I was six years old, she says. I was such a young age, I was still aware that I was an outsider. I showed this to us in church several years ago. This has troubled me almost every week, I think of Poster Girl. She's listed a blog spot at the bottom, and I went to that blog spot a few years ago. There was nothing there, but I went to that blog spot about a month ago, and I found a completely different set of information. Whoever our friend is, and if you know her, whoever our friend is, it, she grew up in the homes in our neighborhood and she attended our academy. And it turns out she's got more blog posts, short little snippets. She stands somewhere on the map in our neighborhood in about a three mile circumference and she drops a pin and then tells you what happened to her life here. This is where I stood when I was first propositioned by a man. And she was a teenager and that happened on Sierra Vista Avenue. This is where I went to school and she drops a pin at our academy. And this is where I learned that bullying is a real thing. And she moves down to where the old general hospital used to be and she drops a pin and says, this is where my 
grandfather got sick. He was the person who loved me the most. It occurs to me as we think about our school year that we are all showing up to the classroom with these stories. We are showing up to work church each week with these stories. Judge not because I have no clue what chapter in her story this girl finds herself in. To the educators here this morning, can I say to you, Eugene Peterson translates our verse this way. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Luke 6, 37. Be easy on people, you'll find life a lot easier. It's just shorthand, friends. Put it on your mirror, put it in your car, put it on your cell phone. That's the summary of our passage to our educators from our academy today. We want to promise you at your sister church, we want to be easy on you this year. We see that you are human too. We see that you show up in your classroom some mornings and you're fragile in your own relationships. You show up in your classrooms sometimes and your body isn't cooperating and your mental health isn't cooperating. You show up in your classrooms with problems that can't be solved. Teachers, this church on the corner wants to be easy on you this year. Something the pastors often say when we're together, what is the best possible interpretation of how we can walk away from a situation. That is what it is to be easy on people. Teachers, we also thank you that you receive children like Poster Girl, children like what we had here with us this morning on the platform, that every day your classroom is open and you receive our children and you start again. There are not words to tell you how precious you are to us, that you will do this with your lives. Thank you. And to the students and all the rest of us, the parents, the guardians who are paying the bill, it's okay to be the calm kid at school this year. It's okay to be the nice kid at school this year. It's okay to be the unoffended school kid in your classroom this year. It's okay to be the forgiving kid this year. It's okay to be the listening kid this year. Parents, it's okay to be the calm parents this year. Are we listening? Parents, it's okay to be the unoffended parents this year. It's okay to be the kind parents this year, the listening parents this year. Community, it is good for us to be the calm community this year to be the kind community this year, to be the unoffended, unhurried, listening community this year. I know no other way to get at the words of Jesus. May we judge not, may we condemn not, may we release those we hold tight through forgiveness. Amen.